the end of Parshas Vayigash describes the events that occurred during the famine. So we know that Mitzrayim, following the advice of Yosef, gathered grain during the seven years of plenty. Other nations didn't. And then during the famine, everyone was starving. Everyone had to come to Yosef to buy grain. The Torah relates that they used up all their cash. They ran out of money. They gave all their animals, the cattle, to the livestock to Yosef. Then they had none of that left. They had no, they had no money. They had no personal property. So they offered themselves, they said, buy us, buy, take, take us for slaves, take our land. And it says Yosef accepted. As we mentioned in other contexts, there's an interesting discussion in Rishonim and Akronim whether he accepted the offer to buy the people themselves as slaves for Paro or only the, or only the, the property. Psukim are, are a little bit inconsistent about this. Uh, when the Psukim describe what happened, Yosef's reaction to their offer to offer themselves as slaves, so it says, it says initially, it says, it says, they offered Gamanachnu, Gamanmaseinu, Kneo, Sonavatatmaseinu, Balachem, us, our land, buy us, buy our land in exchange for bread. So first it says, Vikan Yosef is called Admas Mitzrayim. He only bought the land, it sounds like. So, so Paro owned the, the land. But, uh, the, but then later it says, yeah. I bought you and your land. So apparently he did buy them. The people said, We'll be slaves. So the, the Mepharshim discussed whether the, Yosef accepted their offer to make them slaves or not. Ramban says he did not. So when it says they were slaves, it meant they were just in kind of indentured servants. They were sharecroppers to the land, which belonged to Paro, but they were not slaves. We mentioned the, the Nitziv and the Meshachachma. The Nitziv says that he turned down their offer to, to, for them to become slaves because it was you know, partly self-interest. You don't want slaves. Slaves mean you're responsible for them. Whether they work, they don't work, they're, now they're your responsibility to take care of them. Workers means you work, you eat. You don't work, you don't eat. So they, 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 their interests would be more aligned with the crown that way. Mentioned the Meshachachmo takes a more ideological approach. He says that Yosef hated slavery, perhaps because Yosef himself had been a slave, but Yosef hated slavery. Yosef would not tolerate, would not tolerate slavery. I don't want slavery. I'll take your property, but people have to be free. We discussed whether that's consistent with the Torah. The Torah says, all them tavodu, topic for another time. But in any event, this was the story of the famine, of how the famine played out. The Psukim say, though, that when, what we're going to discuss tonight is the Psukim say, that when, when all of Mitzrayim became serfs and became uh, all the land belonged to Paro, there was one exception, one class, one social class in Egypt did not become slaves to Paro. The, the land did not belong to the crown. He did not acquire the land of the Kohanim, of the priests. The Komrim Rashi says, the priests. Because there was a law... There was a, uh, they had an allowance, they had a stipend, they, they were guaranteed, they had, uh, they had a guaranteed uh, source of income, of food from Paro, they, 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 had, they, they, they were guaranteed what they needed to live. Therefore, they didn't have to sell their property. So Pshutrishul Mikra certainly is, I didn't, I didn't have a chance to go through all of them, but Pshutrishul Mikra is, this was a pre-existing arrangement that the, the Kohanim lived, they had a royal stipend, so that they never felt the pressure that other people had, because even when, the, even when food became scarce, they, they still got their, their daily allotment, so that they had no problem. There is a Midrash, though, there is a Midrash that we discussed last week and two weeks ago, that this was actually 
an institution of Yosef. This allowance was something Yosef did. Yosef gave, decided on his own to give the Kohanim favorable treatment. He gave them the allowance which, of, which, which, which forestalled their having to sell themselves or their property to Yosef. The reason he did so, we mentioned from a, a whole family of Midrashim, is that when Yosef was in trouble, legal trouble, when he was in danger of his life, when Potiphar was, was going to kill him for, for the, based on the accusations of his wife, or later, we said, during his confirmation hearings, when he was being appointed viceroy, people said, you know, you're, you're a terrible person, you did this terrible avera. Potiphar's wife said it, other people believed it, so the, the Komrim, the, the priest, they, they had some kind of judicial function, that they had some kind of uh, author, funk, they had some kind of role in these procedures, and they said, they were men of science, maybe, they said, we, 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 have, we know how to analyze the evidence, we, 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 can, we, can, we can decide whether he's guilty or not, and they actually ruled in his favor. They said he's not guilty, either based on an examination of the garments we discussed, or the examination of, she tried to frame him by planting fake bodily fluids, and they were able to discover it. Whatever it was, there, there are different midrashim that say that they were the ones who weighed in in Yosef's favor. They were the ones who, based on the evidence, said he is not guilty. You know, we shouldn't kill him. He's, he's, he's eligible to be appointed viceroy. So because of Akar Zatov, the gratitude that Yosef felt to the Komrim, therefore he gave them this, uh, this preferential treatment. It's an interesting thing, whether, whether, uh, whether an, an, uh, we discuss all the time whether elected, appointed officials are allowed to make decisions based on their personal feelings. You know, if, if he felt they were worthy of uh, this treatment, then they, they deserve it. If not, not. The fact that he owed them a personal debt of gratitude it's an interesting question whether, in a, whether, in a, whether a public official is allowed to make such decisions. You could also say because he realized that they were, that they, they, they served a valuable function, he realized they were wise, he realized they provided protections for the innocent, his personal experience just gave him insight into the, the fact that this was a valuable, uh, a valuable social class. But whatever it is, this is a, a famous idea of a midrash, of a group of midrashim, that Yosef gave the, the Kohanim, the Komrim of Egypt, preferential treatment because of uh, his experience with them in, uh, in a uh, difficult time of his life, in a pivotal point of his life. The interesting thing is that in halacha, there's also a very similar halacha, not about priests, not about Kohanim, but about Tamil Chachamim, that Tamil Chachamim have special treatment when it comes to taxation. Tamil Chachamim have a lot of privileges in halacha, a lot of special perks, prerequisites, and, and, and special privileges they have. One of them is very similar to the, the one of this week's parasha. One of them is that they are putter from certain categories of taxation. For the duration of our share tonight, I want to discuss this, this halacha, this gemara, discuss, a, there, there has actually been a, a rich and, and complex body of literature that has grown up around this halacha. It was treated in a, as a very, the, the gemara talks about it, but it was treated as a very practical rule. It was, uh, it was followed in Jewish communities throughout the ages. And even today, even today, major poskim have, have debated as to whether this is applicable b'smanazet, whether a, whether a Talmud Chacham in Eretz Yisrael can tell the government, I don't owe you any taxes because I am a Talmud Chacham, a Talmud Chacham should not be charged taxes. So, uh, so we'll, we'll, for the rest of our share, we'll explore what the Gemara says on the topic and how the Gemara has been interpreted and applied by later poskim. This is going to be a fascinating question. It's a halakhic question on one level. It's a sociological question, how different groups in society were pitted against each other and, and their, their claims and demands of each other. And it's a theological question, the, how the Gemara interprets the, the value of being a Talmud Chacham. And it touches on questions of divine providence and Hashkacha uh, Pratis and so on. So the, the discussion is a, is a Gemara in Baba Bastra. 
The Gemara Baba Basra, it goes on for a while, and the Gemara, as it often is, is not, uh, is not as, as clear and as... Uh, as it, it, it doesn't clearly distinguish the points it's making into distinct points. It, it, it seems to mix several different issues together. The Gemara says a number of privileges Tamidicham have, and it's not entirely clear how to break them down, how to categorize what these rules actually are. The Gemara begins, the Gemara says, Rama de Shura Drabanan. Shura is a wall, and he, 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 was, he needed to raise money. He was in charge of the community. He needed to raise money to pay for a wall. And he levied a tax on everyone in the community, including the Chachamim. The, the Jews used to raise local taxes from their, from their community to pay for communal needs. That's what the whole Sigim Basra is about. The, the, and, and the Gemara says that he assessed this tax even on the Rabban, even on the Chachamim. Amrish Lakish, this is wrong, this is not the correct policy. Rabbanan Lotrichinitirusa, a very famous line. The Chachamim don't need Shmira, they don't need protection. And the Gemara brings Psukim to this effect that the Rabbanan don't need Shmira. The Gemara brings uh, a couple of different variations, a couple of different Psukim that you can derive this from. But there's a rule the Chachamim don't need Shmira. What's the point of a wall? The point of a wall is a security measure. Like we have all the concrete barriers and fences and uh, alarms and locks and whatnot. So they had walls also, so the walls were meant as security. And the, the Rabbanon don't need Shmira. Hashem takes care of the Rabbanon. The, the Rabbanon have divine protection, and therefore they should not be assessed. They don't need it. The, 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 the principle, the whole principle in Baba Basra there is, and elsewhere in Shas is, when we have a communal need, everyone who shares the need can be forced to contribute. There's no freeloading. Everyone who doesn't have the need cannot be forced to contribute. So, for example, the Gemara talks about a case where you have a river. And uh, let's say the river is an irrigation river. And people have fields near the river, and they use the river for irrigation. And the river gets, gets uh, blocked. The, the river has to be, has to be uh, cleared of obstructions. Who has to pay for it? So the Gemara says, if it's, if it's an irrigation river, everyone who is downstream of the blockage has to pay for the clearing, because they're the ones who have a problem. The upstream people have no problem. They have plenty of water. On the contrary, the, they, they, have, they have more water because the water is not flowing downstream. They don't have to pay for it. Vice versa. If, if, if vice versa as well. Let's say it's a sewage river. The, the goal of the river, the, the point of this river, or the, the usefulness of this river is to take away sewage. And the river gets blocked up. Who pays for it? The reverse. Everyone upstream of the block pays for it because they have a uh, backflow. They're the ones who have a blocked sewer line. The people, who are, the people who are downstream of the block, they, ever, they don't have to pay for it. I mean, they're happy. The less sewage that comes down to them, I mean, you know, they agree it's fair to unblock it, but it's not their problem. So the rule is, this is a major rule in halacha. Anyone who shares, a, anyone who is part of a shared need can be forced to contribute to funding that need. So everyone who needs shmira, everyone in the city who needs security, which is normally everyone, pays for the need. Chachamim don't need shmira, and therefore the chachamim don't have to pay for the construction of the wall. That's the first, that's the first point the Gemara says. Then the Gemara goes on. The Gemara says, Rav Nachman Bar Rama Kargar Rabbanan. He imposed poll, uh, a t- certain kind of tax, a poll tax on the Rabbanan. Very often, it, it's difficult always to, to know for sure how all these taxes worked. Very often, the way the taxes worked were that the government imposed collectively a tax on the Jewish community, and it was then the responsibility of the community to raise the money from its membership. And very often the government wouldn't get involved in how it was done. The community had to decide who paid and how much. So the issue seems to be here that the government needed a certain amount of money from the community. 
the community had to decide who was going to pay for it. So if they charged the Rabbanon, everyone would pay one rate. If they didn't charge the Rabbanon, that would mean that, that, that the government wasn't going to listen. If they tell the government, please reduce it by 20%, because the Chum are not paying, that was not going to fly. So saying the Chum don't pay would mean everyone else pays an extra 20%. So he did not do that. Uh, this Rav Nachum Bar he charged the Karagat to everyone, even the Rabbanon. Amar Rav Nachum Bar Yitzchak, Avarta Adaraisa, Vadanavi, Vadiksuvi. What you do, what you just did, you violated Tsukim in Torah, Psukim in Nevi'im, Psukim in Ksuvim. The Mar Darshan from Psukim and all these three Chalakim of Tanakh that you should not be charging taxes to the Chachamim. Again, we're not going to get into all the drushes, different Psukim. But the point is, this Gemara seems to be saying something, if, if you think about it carefully, very different from the first Gemara. The first Gemara says, specific to security, when we have a security need, we don't assess that on the Chachamim because they don't need security. This Gemara is saying, a karga, it's a head tax, it has nothing to do with security. Nevertheless, you're not allowed to charge the Chachamim. It's against Torah, it's against Nevi'im, it's against Ksuvim. This seems to be just a privilege Chachamim have that, we, that, that they can't be forced to pay taxes. It's just a perk that the Torah gives them that they're not responsible for taxes. So we seem to have two separate dinim. The first din seems to be that they're not responsible for security measures. The second din seems to be they're not responsible for anything. Why do you need the first din if you have the second din? The topic will return to later. The Gemara brings various psukim. One of them is a pasuk in Ezra. It says, Minda v'lo v'halach lo shalat l'mirma aleihem. It, uh, the, it says a rule, you know, to charge the Kohanim and the Levim, any, any of these different types of taxes. Minda v'lo v'halach, three types of taxes. Unauthorized to charge the Kohanim, charge the Chachamim, charge the Kohanim, charge those who are, who are devoted to, to, to uh, Vodas Hashem, you know, to charge them. That's the second, second phase of the Gemara. The Gemara then brings a third phase. Which is, they, were, they have to build a cistern. They have to build some kind of uh, thing to hold water. So some kind of water infrastructure, water works. So the Gemara discusses who has to pay for it, different, different people, different groups in society. The Gemara, the Gemara then goes on and says that, uh, and it, discusses, it doesn't discuss a chum over there. Then it goes on and it says when they were building, it, go, it goes back to walls, to gates, agla gapa, kind of gates. It says, Rabbanan again, reiterates Rabbanan lo tirusa. Rabbanan don't have to pay for that. This seems to be going back to the first principle of the Gemara. When it comes to security needs, we have this principle, Rabbanan lo tirusa. However, the Gemara continues, hakol l'karia pasya filume Rabbanan. Something called karia and pasya. The machlokas we showed them what that is. But for Karya and Pasya, everyone pays, even the Rabbanan. So Rabbanan have to pay even for Karya and Pasya. Some say that means, again, some say that means waterworks. Even though they don't pay for Shmira, they pay for water. Rambam, when he brings this Gemara, the Rambam seems to learn that it means, it means infrastructure like roads. Rambam writes that the, that the Rambam writes that, that they don't pay for Shmira. However, he says, Chacham don't pay for Shmira. Ain't tell me the Chacham Shrich and Shmira Shatara Shamartan. When it comes to roads and, and, and that kind of infrastructure, so the beginning of the Gemara, the end of the Gemara, focuses like a laser on Shmira and says, don't need Shmira, but things they do need, like whether it's water or roads, things that are normal municipal needs are bought and have to give. However, the middle of the Gemara introduces a new rule, Avarta, Atara, Navi, Aksuvi, that they don't have to give general taxes that are bought and not have to give, nothing to do with Shmira. It's a, it's, a, it's a perk that they were given they don't have to pay taxes. The question is, how do we square these two Gemaras? The, 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 one, the beginning and end of the Gemara implies 
it's limited to Shmira. The Shmira, they're exempt. Everything else they have to pay. The middle of the Gemara implies they don't pay any taxes. So we'll have to see how the, how the post can interpret this. <coughs> Rambam, as we mentioned, paskins these various Gemaras. Rambam writes that, in the, Rambam brings these halachas in two places. In Hilchas Talmud where he talks about the laws of Chachamim and the privileges they have. And in Hilchas the laws of Shutfin and Shechenim, the, the laws of how the neighbors and, and residents and people who share, who share a city or share, share a neighborhood, how they have to cooperate and contribute to our mutual needs. So when Hilchas Talmud he brings the privileges of the Chacham and he doesn't have to pay all kinds of taxes. He says they don't have to work themselves because that would be a bizayan for the Tamil Chacham to have to work shoulder to shoulder with the ordinary people. We don't charge them for various functions of Shmira or for Shurus HaMelech. We don't make them give any kind of tax. Whether it's personal taxes, collective taxes, they don't pay any taxes. He brings one of the other Pesukim the Gemara brought. The, the, he brings a Pasuk in Hosea, which was another Pasuk the Gemara brought. It says... It says, Gamki Yisnu Vagayim Vayachelum They should have some relief from the from the burden of the king and the princess. So the Rambam says that this tells us Chachamim have an exemption from taxes in general. Then in Hilchashchenim he says, anything to do with Shmira they don't bring because we read before, Shain Talmidechamim Trichin Shmira Shatarasham Artan Tara protects them. However, for roads and for other infrastructure, they do have to give. They have to give. So again, the Rambam, we have the same tension, the same contradiction we had earlier. In Hilchas Talmud Torah, he, 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 he asserts a general exemption from all kinds of taxes. In Hilchas Shechenim, he says, it depends what, they, depends what it is. If it's, if it's Shmira, they don't pay because they don't need Shmira. If it's other infrastructure, they do pay because they do need that kind of infrastructure. They don't do it themselves, he says, because anything that has to do with personal volunteering by the community, that they don't have to do, because that would be a bizarre for the Chachamim, but in terms of funding it, in terms of being responsible for it, that they have to do, as long as it's not Shmira. So again, we have this tension between two types of, between the, between the two different dinim in the Gemara. This is the Halacha Ptuka, these dinim, the Rambam, the Shulchan Aruch, all the posts can bring this. The, one of the key questions, of course, is who is a Talmud Chacham? What is the standard of Talmud Chacham that, we, that we're talking about here? So in, in many areas of halacha, we, we have a, a kind of skeptical doctrine. We say, because we don't have someone who's on a high enough madrega to qualify for this. Every case is different. In this case, the poskim are fairly lenient. In this case, the poskim consider this a living halacha. They, they have a relatively loose standard of Talmud Chacham. It's based on the rush. The rush says, any Talmud Chacham who is Taraso Omnaso, who is Osa Taraso Kevam Lachtarai, doesn't mean he learns 24 hours a day. It means the Torah is his primary occupation and his, and his other work is secondary in importance. And he learns Torah Tamid and he doesn't waste time to be misasic with Dvarim Betelem. Okay, that's a pretty high standard. Most of us, uh, most of us do waste at least some time for Dvarim Betelem. I certainly do. But he only, the only time the Rosh says he stops learning is to, is, to, is, to, is, to, is to seek out his Parnassah. And that's important. That's the right thing to do, the Rosh says, because Chazal say he's supposed to earn an honest living. Yafat Talmud Tarim Tarach Eretz, etc., etc. And as soon as he finishes working, he goes back to the base Medrash, and he's, uh, and he's Erlach, and he's Noah Darish, Menah Mekayim, Losani Shemane, he has a good reputation. He's Bechal Rabbanon. Okay, depending how you look at it, that could be a pretty high standard or not, but the the, the, the rush is trying to be makele. He's telling you, you don't need, like, Roshim Bar Yochai people who are completely removed from Olam Hazeh. 
you don't need that madrega. Even someone who works in the works a little bit, who does go out into the world, as long as his primary goal is Tal- is Talmud Torah, his primary occupation is Talmud Torah. He he learns whenever he can. He he, he only leaves to work and he goes back to learning. So since he was machnis tzavaro ba'ol Torah, since he can, he's committing himself to the ol of Torah, we do not impose taxation upon him. And the Rush says, sometimes we say we don't have Talmud Chacham for certain dinam. On the contrary, the Rush says, we do have this din b'zmanazeh. We dafka do. Talmud he says. In the time of the Chacham, he said, in the time of the Gemara, there were, there were, there were, there were, there were many more Chacham. There were, there were thousands, he says. And still they said, even though it's a big ask to patru all of them, they did that. They said, they're all patru, he says. Certainly today, he says, we have one person in the city and two people in a family. Chacham are very rare, he said. This is what they say in reverse, that when Ben-Gurion negotiated the status quo agreement to Pater B'nai Yeshiva from the army, there are only a few hundred of them, he says, and today there are vastly, vastly more. Is the same deal uh, still appropriate? But the Rush is making the same argument in reverse. If, if Chazal patered them from, from taxes when there were thousands of them, certainly they should be patered today where they're, where, they're pretty, uh, where they're pretty scant, he says, and therefore the Rush insists that this din is still no Egbiz Ravavadi Yosef has a fascinating tshuva, actually a pair of tshuvas. In, in a tshuva in Yechavadas, he writes as follows. The question was, is a person allowed to cheat on taxes, income taxes? Is a person, or, or sales taxes, or other types of taxes, is a person allowed to uh, c- perpetrate tax evasion, or, or do we follow Dina Malchus Adina? So the Ravadia goes on at some length, and he says... And he says that the absolute din applies to taxes. There are different shitas about when it applies. It certainly applies to taxes, he says. He wrote a whole tshuva arguing that, yes, you are obligated to pay taxes. A, a Jew who follows the Torah must pay his taxes. Is it for Eretz Israel? Eretz Israel. Okay. Israel. Israel, a modern, modern Israeli government. But, so then he writes like this. In the, in the end of the tshuva, he says, therefore, lahalacha, anything to do with taxes... You are yesh lekayim at the chok shalom medina. You have to obey the law of the land. Shazeb bechlal mashamru chazal dinu lachusudina. All right, a fairly straightforward and uncontroversial tshuva. Not everyone agrees to this in Eretz Yisrael. The Rashi in Eretz Yisrael is different, but it's a pretty mainstream sack. In a footnote, on the bottom of the page, under the under the line, below the fold, it says, "However, I do have to note," he says, "we, we do have to note that there is a gemara in Bavasra that says you're not allowed to charge taxes to the hacham." He just makes that comment. He, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, say, and therefore what? But he just says, you should know, you're not allowed to charge taxes to the Chachamim. That's what he wrote in, uh, that, that's what he wrote in, that's what Ravadi himself wrote, and he left it at that. There was a newspaper article that came out by, I'm not sure if the writer was you know, from or was uh, anti-from, but he wrote, he, he wrote a scathing attack on, against Ravadia. And he wrote that if you look in the, in the index of the Yechavadat, where there are summaries of the tshuvas that were put together by Rav Vadia's son, Rav Yitzchak Yosef, so he says, the, his son says, well, I guess the expression is, says the quiet part out loud. His son writes as follows. Uh, he says, when, when his son summarizes this tshuva of his father, he says, his son writes, I, I, I don't think I looked up to see whether this is all in the current edition or not, but he says, Rav Yitzchak Yosef summarizes his father's tshuva as follows. The question was, are you allowed to evade income tax? So he says that, well, in general, the answer is no, but Rav Yitzchak Yosef wrote that the, 
if you're a Talmud Chacham or a Ben Yeshiva, you're allowed to evade taxes because the tax is not legitimate, because the government has no right to charge taxes. A, a government that follows the Torah would have no right to charge these taxes. You don't have to pay them. So that's how he understood his father's truth. So the writer was furious. The writer says, Rav Yitzhak Yosef, the Rishon Lutzion, the, the present Rishon Lutzion, Svardik chief rabbi, he writes that al yeshiva students are allowed to evade taxes. He says his father of Avadia, he left it uh, artfully ambiguous. He, he, he did say that normally you, can't, you cannot cheat on your taxes, but you should know that you're not allowed to charge taxes to a Talmud Chacham. He kind of led you to that point, but he left it uh, not explicit, he says. And, uh, and he says that the, his son held that Allah Lamaisa, Rabbi Yitzhak Yosef held Allah Lamaisa, mutter for a Talmud Chacham to cheat on taxes because the government has no right to be charging these taxes. And uh, <coughs> not only that, but if you look in Rav Avadiyah's tshuva, he defines what is a Talmud Chacham, and he sets the bar very low. Rav Avadiyah says that a Ben Yeshiva, an ordinary Ben Yeshiva, is considered a Talmud Chacham. He says, based on the rush, based on other sources, he says that you don't have to be a Marahara. This is someone who is learning, you know, Yom, who's, 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 who's totally committed to learning, if he's not a Marahara yet, he'll eventually will reach a level of Hara, as long as he's you know, serious and committed. I'm not sure if that means someone who's going, going to learn for a year after high school and then is going to leave. Someone who is you know, on, on, his, on the path to become a Talmud Chacham, even if he's still uh, a junior Talmud Chacham, he says, uh, he says that's enough. He says the Ravad himself never objected to his son's formulation, his son's synopsis of his tshuva, and uh, the writer was very, very upset. Uh, so I, I wrote here, I see my, my notes there from a few years ago, I wrote, this Lushen of uh, what, he, what he claims Rav Yitzchak Yosef said does not appear in the copy of Yechav I have uh, I have in front of me, but uh, he claims that this is what Rav Yitzchak Yosef once wrote in one edition of the Yechav It's certainly the implication of Rav Avadiyah's tshuva, but he, Rav Avadiyah doesn't say it beferish. Rav Avadiyah discusses the... Right, so Dr. Makavos is saying maybe Ravadi just, just meant it as, a, as, an, as an admonition to the government. You shouldn't charge, but if they do charge, maybe it's still binding on the... Yeah, it could be. It could be. I mean, uh, that, 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 that's why... Right. And he, he left it... Uh, it's certainly, at, least, at the very least, it's plausibly deniable. It may not even be what he meant. Yes, that's true. His son at least thought that's what he meant, apparently, according to this writer, but yeah, it's true. Not absolutely mucha. In the Abiyah Omer, Rav Avadiyah discusses the, what, what's the definition of Talmud Chacham. This is what I started saying before. He says, anyone who's Oshik B'Torah at all spare time, again, it's certainly not true for me. I mean, I have spare time I use for other things. But uh, someone who's Oshik B'Torah all his spare time, even if he has a business or, or a parnasa of some sort, he's Potter from all taxes, as long as it's Torah, so Keva, Malach, Torah, And he says he cannot be compelled to pay any kind of taxes, personal taxes, communal taxes, and so on. Uh, <coughs> it doesn't matter if he's rich or poor. This is not a this is not a means tested p'tur. This is a privilege of the chacham, pater regardless. Geder talmud chacham, ikerli mudo b'shas who poskim lasukish mitzli b'dehelchasa. Ravadia may not have. I don't know if he would have thought that Rashi Yeshiva and Lamdanim who are not poskim would count for this or not. I'm not sure. He obviously had a bias toward halacha, even though he's not yet a balhara. Even if he's still a talmud, he says, but. Uh, even, even Darshanim, those who study Agadi, he says, and, and teach people Musr, they're also Potter. Some posts can say that's Potter as well. They can say Kimli, he says. And even if he has business, a couple of days, he, he says, two or three days in business, three days with Tufim working in Torah. That's also good enough, he says. 
However, however, he adds, and he touches on that question we said earlier, that even though they're generally potty from taxes, you do have, we do have to reckon with uh, the Gemara that says that they are chayev and carry a pas, you have they are chayev and things they need. So he says they're chayev to, to, to contribute toward those things that are crucial and beneficial to the public in general, themselves included. For example, digging the wells and the streets and those things, that's a machayev to do. So shmira, they're definitely not machayev to do. Basic infrastructure that everyone needs, they are machayev to do. Other taxation, they're not machayev to do. What does that mean? It's unclear. What does the government do? The government pays for infrastructure. Yeah. The government does transfer payments where they transfer wow. from people who have money to people who have less money. They fund research. They, I don't know what they do. The, the government has a big budget full of all kinds of stuff. So I'm not sure what Avadia thinks you have to do. Typically, they, you know, there are some taxes which are marked for specific needs. Like you get charged on a 17.5 cent tax on your cell phone bill to fund the rural service, whatever. Uh, or your water bill has uh, you know, a $10 surcharge. Or your energy bill has a surcharge. for. So some taxes are marked for specific purposes. Most of the taxes, by the vast majority of taxes most of us pay are, are general revenue. Income tax, sales tax, property tax. Are all uh, general? Are, are all? Yes, are, are all pretty much general? I mean, some of the sale, property taxes typically for schools. So that's uh, so, so. So that's the question that we've seen. On the one, so that chacham are potter from general taxes. They're potter from shmira. They're chayev for things they need. So what do you? What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to take the income tax bill, go through the budget with a fine tooth comb, figure out which of the things they need and which of the things they don't need. It's uh, practically a difficult thing to do. But in principle, it seems that you have to do something like that. Figure out where the taxes are going for and say, you have an adjustment, you only pay uh, 64% of the, of the taxes you're still, you're still liable for. The question also is, when we say things they need, there are obviously some taxes that, that in theory, everyone needs, but people are in different stages of life or people have different circumstances. If I'm a single guy, I don't have kids in school, so I don't need, I don't need public schools. Or, or, or if I'm a you know, retired you know, person, I, I don't have young kids, I don't need schools. If I, uh, if I live in an inland area, I don't need flood insurance. If I live in, a, if I live in some places, I need, uh, you know, I, I need a good fire station. So you know, do you really have to look at each person and what his specific needs are? Do you look at classes of people? Not exactly clear how you do this, but this is the... This is, the, this is the general principle. It's, it's a halakha p'suka, that's our pater. The p'tura seems to have two components. Sometimes we, have, we apply a general rule that pater from taxes. Other times we, we, we have a test that we look at what the taxes are used for, and we say, is this something you need or something you don't need? If it's something you need, you pay for it. If it's something you don't need, you don't. And in particular, when it comes to shmira, when it comes to security, there's a rule, Now, there's an interesting tshuva of the radvaz. To the Radvaz, 500 years ago in Egypt, later in Eretz Yisrael, the Radvaz was asked about a certain case where there was an argument between the Chachamim and the other people. Curiously enough, in this particular context, the Chachamim were actually the rich ones. They were the ones who had money. They, they were the ones who were apparently uh, a, an elite class of society in more ways than one. Besides being Chachamim, they were also the, the rich ones. And they had an argument with the Hamonam about who should pay for security. The Chachamim said, we don't need security, because we're Chachamim, the Gemara says, you pay for security. They, they said to everyone else, we, the, we want you to pay for the security. The poor people said, we don't need security, we don't even have any money, you should be the ones who will pay for it. We, 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 don't, we don't even need this. If you want it, you pay for it. That was the Shaila in the Radvaz. In Yushalayim this happened, he says, between the Balabatim, between the Chachamim, uh, about paying for the showroom, paying for some kind of guard, some kind of uh, watchman. 
Who should pay for it? He says, on the one hand, yes. If there is a Gemara that says, Rabbanu Lutrichin Etirusa, that's, that's unanimous. Nobody disagrees. Um, however, he says, he says, Menidin be done. Even those who say the Chum don't pay, he says that here they certainly have to pay, even though it's Shmira. He says, he goes on and he says that, he says that the, the Gemara is talking about a case where the Chum say, we don't need Shmira. That the, the king says, I, I want to pay for Shmira. And the Chum say, we don't need Shmira, so we're not going to pay. If the king demands the money, you pay for it, they, they tell the other people, because they, they, if the king is funding Shmira, we don't have to pay for Shmira, we don't need Shmira, so the burden falls on you. That's where the, the demand for Shmira is from the king. The Chum are not the ones asking for it. They, they, they say, we're not interested in it, we don't need Shmira, we, we have Bitochan and Hashem, Hashem will take care of us. You, the king wants Shmira, you pay for it, they tell the, the rest of the Jewish community. But need only done, he says. The Balabatim are saying, we don't need Shmira, we're poor, nobody wants anything from us, we, we, don't, have any, we don't have anything of interest to the Ganavim. The Kharm are the ones who say, you have to have Shmira, we need Shmira. They're the, ones who, they're the ones complaining, they're the ones who are saying, we need Shmira, he says. Is it possible to say, Min Hadin, or, or, or from the Svari, he says, that, uh, that they should force people to pay for their Shmira? I don't need Shmira, so I don't want to pay for it, I want to make you pay for it. If you don't need it, then why are you asking us to pay for it, he says. That doesn't make any sense at all. You're not going to pay for it, you're going to make us pay for it, because you don't need it, and that's why you're demanding we pay for it. <coughs> That, that's doublespeak, he says, of the, of the worst kind. Nobody would say such a thing, he says. Luxamidas Hadin, he says, that the... He says they, if they, they can say, we all have to contribute, even you have to contribute, he says, that they can do, he says. But uh, that's when the Balabatma is saying, we don't need Shmira, he says. Unless everyone pays for it, the Chalmers say, we have to have Shmira. Then I say, they can all force each other, he says. Um, okay, but I'll call the Radvaz says, this is a Yisod of the Radvaz, the Chubahais, he says other things are not, that are tricky, I'm not, I didn't fully understand everything he says, this is the point he makes, you can't get up there and say that, I don't want to pay for Shmira because I don't need it, and I want you to pay for it, and make up your mind, if you don't need it, then don't demand that anybody pay for it, and uh, the Gemara's talking a case where the king wants it, then they could say, we're not going to pay for it, you pay for it, you can't tell us that you, that you want Shmira, so, so I have to pay for it because you, you want it, but you don't need it, so you're not going to pay for it, that doesn't make any sense at all. If they have this kind of logic, you're saying they're obviously either twisted or corrupt. And the truth is, though, it's not so simple, because the Chazanish may disagree with this. I'm not sure, but the Chazanish may disagree with this. The Chazanish writes as follows. The Chazanish deals with, this is in his regular Sefer Chazanish, but uh, he deals both with the halacha and with the theology of this. And the Chazanish touches on a, a crucial question here, which is, really? Chum don't need, don't need Shmira? Is this, the way the Torah, is this the way the Torah wants us to live? As we've discussed many times, the, the Ramban famously says the Torah is not Samechel Hanes, that's why the Ramban says Meraglim were justified. Moshe said Meraglim, that was justified. The, the, the Torah, expect, even when Hashem is, is leading the Jewish people with a miraculous Hanhaga, Hashem still wants the people to act B'derech HaTeva. So, and this is the Yisod, which is widely accepted in the Rishonim, that in general, at least, the Hashem wants people to act B'derech HaTeva. So, says the Chazanish, what does it mean, Chum Does that really mean that the Chum can just go out and you know, risk their lives and leave the doors unlocked and not make any kind of Ishtadlus? Is that really true? We had a couple of weeks ago, Pashas Vayishlach, where the Yaakov prepares to meet Esav in a, in a multi pronged approach with Tfila, Duran, Muhammad, the Sefer Akedas Yitzchak. He has a lengthy essay on the Pasha where, he, where he, he develops this theme at great length. 
a tzaddik, a chacham, has to do whatever he can to avoid danger, no matter what. It's the, Hashem wants us, even though Hashem is mashgiach on his chasidim, nevertheless, Hashem expects us to do what we can for ourselves and to do whatever we can to assume that his fate hangs in the balance, and then Hashem will protect you if you deserve it. But to say that I'm not going to do anything, it's all up to Hashem, that that's not the derech atara, and so on. So says the chazanish. So what does the Gemara mean? Rabban lo'trichin etirusa. They have to act but derech atavalachar. They can't be somechal anes. The Gemara says, in brachas harig ben minig derech eretz. That was the Gemara that says a person vas after the ganecha. A person is, is not supposed to just sit and learn all day like Rabbi by Yochai. The machlok is there, but, but we, we, we seem to follow the other rule that we're not supposed to sit there and learn Torah all day. We're supposed to act the derech hateva. The Gemara in Shabbos says, al yamad demachim sakani. You're not supposed to stand in a place uh, in a place of danger you, it, because you're either 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 Hashem won't make an ace for you and you'll die, or if you do, you're going to get it. Uh, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get subtracted from your zechuyos. The, this thing that this, this may apply even in a Hanhaga which is uh, which is Derek Nace to begin with in my Navi share a few weeks ago I, I, I spent an entire share discussing a remarkable comment of Rabbi Yaakov Fidank Fidanki, he's, a, he's an Akron who wrote a pirush on the bottom of the Barbanel of Navi it's printed with the Barbanel of Navi he writes there, it says when the Jews crossed the Yardin it says Vayimaru that as the water stood, the Kohanim went with the Ard into the, the Yardin the water stood and stopped flowing the 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 the, the, the riverbed the riverbed dried out and the Jews walked across. It says Vayamaru. They went quickly. So why do they go quickly? So the Mefarshim give different shatim. But the, this Rabbi Yaakov Fidang says they went quickly because it's a makom sakana. A person is not supposed to put himself in a makom sakana more than necessary. They have, they have to they have to rush by to get themselves out of the dangerous spot. You'd think Hashem is holding up the water. You'd think what, what could be more secure than Hashem tells you, uh, today I'm going to show, make a nace for you like I made for Moshe. You, you think on the contrary, to rush, that might show I don't trust Hashem, I don't, I, I'm Kitani Amana, and I don't trust Hashem can hold up the water long enough. He says, no, he says, that, that's included in this din of you can't stand Makam Sakana. Hashem says, go, so you go, but you rush, because it's, it's not normal, it's, it's, not a, it's not a normal situation where the water is being held up. That's called Makam Sakana, so you rush through as fast as you can. Says the Chazanesh, so what does the Gemara mean, the Chum Lo Tzrichin Rusa? <coughs> so he says, you're right. He says, F, sure, you're right. That in a place where there'd be only Chachamim, let's say, of course, they would have to build a wall and they could force each other to contribute because no one else is doing it. We, 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 can't, we, can't, we can't be reckless and just say Hashem will protect us. That's not the Derech HaTerah. So when they're all Chachamim, they all have to pay for it. Well, for some reason, when some are Chachamim and some are not, then this rule kicks in that they can say, you do it because uh, we don't need Nitirusa. A little hard to understand what that means, what the logic of that is, but that's what he suggests. Uh, certainly, if, if it's only them, they would have to do it. If it's, if it's ordinary people as well, then, uh, then, then they can shift the burden onto ordinary people. He says, the MS Torah does protect them, he says. They're not subject to the vicissitudes of, the, of Derech HaTeva. Hashem, Hashem habitachon. The more you trust Him, the more He takes care of you. And therefore He says that, it, if there are, for some reason, if the Chama are there by themselves, they have to act with Derech HaTeva, they have to build a wall themselves. But if there are ordinary people together with the Chamim, the Chamim have the right to shift the burden onto ordinary people. I, I don't completely understand the logic for this. No, not necessarily. But, but then he adds, he, he doesn't say that, but then in the last line, in, in, in one further line, he says, It's possible, if he this, that the Rabbanon can actually compel the other people in the city to build the wall. That sounds like he means not like the Radvaz. At this point, it sounds like he's saying not like the Radvaz. Even if they don't want to do it, and they want other people to do it, 
they can say, we demand that you do it because uh, we're not going to do it. And it's your duty to do it because we're not allowed to. So it sounds like he's coming out not like the Radvaz. I'm not sure if that's exactly what he means. That's what it sounds like he's saying. Okay. So maybe it's a machlokas. So, so again, the, the post we have debated exactly post we have debated exactly what this means in practice, how we apply this. One, one final place we'll discuss where this came up is in the topic of, in Israel, in the topic of yeshiva students serving in the army. This was, of course, a very controversial point from the, from the formation of the state, from Ben-Gurion's time, we mentioned earlier, where the, they have the status quo agreement that yeshiva students were not going to be drafted for the army. But within religious circles, there was a great debate about this. Obviously, we, obviously we have the Dati Lumi community, where, where the kids do serve in the army. They, they, they do Hezder, or even full army, but they do some form of army service, and they consider it a religious duty even. And, of course, we have the, the Haredim, the the traditional yeshivas that vehemently refuse, and they say that it's, uh, they're not going to serve in the army. So one of the issues that... <coughs> so there are various issues. The one issue, of course, is that why the Haredim are so adamantly opposed to serving in the army, there are various reasons. What, one reason simply is they feel that yeshiva student needs more time in yeshiva. He can't afford to give up some of the most crucial years of his life to be out of the yeshiva serving in the army. One reason is they feel that the army is a bad environment, uh, the, the, the secularism, the hedonism. The, okay, but one reason, one reason that they, the, what, the reason that we're interested in tonight is, is this, this, this reason of Rabban Lotzrichin and Tirusa, the idea that the, that, that, that the Torah that can say, we don't need Tirusa, this is a security issue, we don't have to contribute, we don't have to, the, they talk about shivring Netzel, sharing the burden, so the Torah can say, they argue, we don't have to share this burden, just like we don't have to pay for other security measures, we don't have to pay for the walls and for the guards, we don't have to do our share of army service, because Rabbi Aaron Lutrichin and Tirusa. Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein, one of the, one of the, one of the Gdole Hadar of the previous generation in the Dati Lumi world, he rejected this argument quite strongly. For Rabbi Aaron, everything is nuanced. His idea of strongly for most people would be a mild and uh, thoughtful, thoughtful uh, debate, but for, for Rabbi Aaron, this is fairly... <coughs> fairly strong. He wrote a famous essay. He wrote a famous essay called Zotorata Hester. This is the the law of the Hester. This is the the, the theory or the the theoretical. The, the this is the ideological argument in favor of Hester. In favor, he he felt that Shiva student should serve in the army in some form. And he and, and he was addressing himself to some of the arguments that were said that were advanced by the by the traditional yeshivas, by the anti-Hester, the anti-yeshiva students in the army faction. And he deals with this question. He deals with, how do we, I'm, I'm saying that, that yeshiva students need to serve in the army, how do I, how do I uh, reconcile that with the Gemara and Baba Bastra that says that Rabbanon cannot be called upon to provide taxes, Rabbanon or Lotrich and Tirusa, says Ravar. The Gemara tells us that the Chum don't pay taxes, and he says, what about army service? He says, maybe they should be potter, they should just learn. So he says that, first of all, he says, you know, can you really, can you really claim this din if you don't live on such a high madrega bitachon? If you, this is similar to the Radvaz. I mean, if you yourself are saying, I need, I need security, I, I have to, uh, he says, uh, if, if people are not really on, uh, if, people are, if people are really, uh, if people are really on such a, Hi, Madrega, he says, he says that 
can a community like the Haredi community says that, that they abandon areas of the of Eretz Yisrael, that this is a common complaint brought up by the, by, by, by the opponents of the, of the yeshiva world, that they themselves leave, leave the areas that are getting hit by rockets and are on the front. They don't say, Rabbanu Tzrich and Itirusa, Hashem will protect. They act prudently and they, they vacate the areas, he says. So he says, can they claim that, uh, that, that, that when it comes to serving, then they say, no, no, Rabbanu Tzrich and Itirusa, when, when it comes to you know, shutting down the yeshiva or moving, then they say, you know, we have to act with Teva. Is that really logical? Is that, is that theologically coherent, he says? He's not convinced. But he says, besides that, he says, it's not really relevant. The, 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 that theological objection, similar to the Radvaz, that's not the issue here, he says. That, that, that's, not the prime, that's not the key issue here, he says, about whether yeshiva students should serve in the army. He says, because first of all, he says, the, the whole analogy to the, of army service to the Gemara, he says, is a problematic analogy. He says, because... He says, the, besides the question of Tzuchin we have the other thing about, we're dealing with communal obligations, that the, we're dealing with communal obligations. He says that anyone who, anyone who needs something pays for it, and who doesn't need something doesn't pay for it. Rabbanu Rabbanu Tzuchin Etirusa. He says that the, he says, but, but again, is that, is that why we serve in the army? Because, because you're providing a service that you need. What about your duty to the rest of Kalal Yisrael, he says. When, when people serve in the army, when we draft an 18-year-old to serve in the army, are we, are, we, are we telling him, well, you need security, so you do your fair share? Are we telling him, Klai Yisrael needs your help. Old people need your help. Everyone needs your help. You know, go help Klai Yisrael, he says. It's the Ezra Yisrael Miyad Tzar Lamb, he says. So the Shiva student will say, well, I don't need security. Okay, but the rest of Klai Yisrael needs security, and, and, and you have a chiv to provide it as much as everyone else, he says. So why? So, so, so it says, you have to go serve, he says, because it's Kamilas Chesed. It's, it's not... Uh, it's not just, uh, it's, not be, it's not because you have to do your fair share to things that you need. It's because Klai Yisrael needs everyone, and, and you have a mitzvah, like other people have a mitzvah, to, 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 help, save, uh, to help save people. Furthermore, he says, he says the, you know, we do have, the, we, we do have, he says, the, he, he, he says, we, we do have this general rule, the Chum don't have to do anything, not just things they don't need, they don't, they don't have to do because the Latrich and Tirusa. We do have this other din, he says, that the, that they're part of from taxes in general, the communal obligations, we have to leave them alone. It's a privilege that they have. It's an, independent of whether they need it or not. There's another din that they're just putter from general obligations. He says, but the, he says, however, but we, we do see also that things that they do need, they're chayim. So you see that this p'tur from taxes, whatever it is, as we discussed earlier, Ravaren deals with this tension between the p'tur of taxes and the p'tur of things that they do need and don't need, so he says, you security as well. Don't put security into the category of taxes that they're automatically punted from. Put security into the category of things that are totally what they need or they don't need. So the Tiru said they don't need, but they have to help other people. He says, maybe they do. So he says, uh, so, I, so, I, so I have to read, all, I, don't, I don't fully understand all his logic, all his ins and outs, but he touches on this tension as well, that we have two separate Pturim. We have the Ptur of, we have the Ptur of being punted from things they don't need, and that, he says, is irrelevant to the army because we're not asking you to serve because you need it. We're asking you to serve because Klai Yisrael needs it. Other people need it. There's the other Ptur that, 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 that we don't charge, that we don't charge Chacham taxes at all because that's the, we don't charge Chacham taxes at all because that's the, that's the general rule that you're part of. But obviously that's more limited, he says, because they do have to pay for infrastructure and other, thing, other things that are general needs. So, so certain taxes they don't have to pay, but certain things they do have to pay. So once again, Rav Aaron did not feel that, the, that, that, that this Gemara should that this Gemara should, it was a good reason for why 
yeshiva student should not serve in the army. But again, you have to read his, uh, his analysis carefully to see exactly how he squares away all the different parts of the Gemara. I'll call upon him. The, so historically, the, this Gemara was used with regard to actual taxes. In the Sephardic communities in particular, there, there were great debates about, about how to assess taxes on the, on the, the even Ashkenazi communities also. There were great debates about how to divide the taxes fairly among members of the community. And this Gemara was halakha psukha, the Chacham shouldn't pay taxes, exactly how it was applied. As we said, who's the Chacham, which taxes, things they need, things they don't need. That's there have been great debates about, but there is, there is a rule, and, and, it was, and at least some contemporary posts can say it still applies with Manazah. There is a rule that Chacham don't have to pay taxes. Ravadi Yosef felt that, uh, that Israeli taxes in general, except for infrastructure which directly benefits them, Chacham should not have to pay. Whether he meant you can cheat on taxes because of that or not uh, wasn't clear, but, uh, but at the very least, he said, the very least he did say that the, that the Israeli government had no business charging, uh, set, collecting general taxes from the Chacham. His language is, his language is that the, that, that, Lafi Alacha, Osir Lahatzel Matzel Tmida Chachamim, Haoskim Atara, that's how we paskin. But again, in, in the, in, in the Abiyah Amr, he notes it's not so simple because there are some exceptions. Taxes that are for, like the, the water, the waterworks, and the roads, that they do have to pay. So exa- again, exactly how to uh, untangle the taxes in a modern democracy, in a modern government, and figure out what yes and what not is the subject of debate, and how this should be applied to things like military service in the modern Israeli army. That was something also which was, which was discussed by Rav Aaron Luxenstein and others to try to figure out whether the, the, the basic communal obligations to join the rest of the community, to do things that the community needs, whether that should, whether, whether, whether that, whether a Talmud Chacham, assuming someone meets the standards of a Talmud Chacham, should he or should he, should a Talmud Chacham be obligated to serve in the army at the same way everyone else is or not, depending on how you understand this Gemara and the Divriya Postkim regarding the Gemara.